Thanks, Colin. Would you pray with me? Our Father, words like that, a, this story that is familiar to so many of us, uh, can so easily lose their impact. Lord, help us to feel the weight of these words this morning. May we not take the event of Jesus' death for granted. Lord, show us what it means for us. Change us by this news, we pray. We pray because it's good for us and we pray because it brings you glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. How long do you think people will remember you after you die? You may not have thought about that. It's probably better to keep it that way. Because the sad reality is that not many of us will be remembered for very long after we die. What have you got? Maybe two generations? Three? Even the most influential people alive today, well, they'll be forgotten in maybe a hundred years. But friends, consider this. Today on the Sunshine Coast in 2021, we're gathered together in a church on a Friday for no other reason than to remember the death of someone who lived some 2,000 years ago on the other side of the planet. And just up the road, there's another church doing the same thing. And today, all over the coast, all over Australia, indeed all over the world, hundreds of millions of people are gathered together on every continent, speaking thousands of different languages, gathering together to celebrate the death of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The death we just read about in Luke 23. No other person in history has had this kind of impact on the world. No other death leaves this kind of legacy. No other event like this has had such a profound impact that, that it means so much to such a huge number of people. But friends, the question I've got for you this morning is what does the death of Jesus mean for you? That first Good Friday changed the world, but has it changed your world? Now, I don't know what brought you along to church this morning. Maybe you're just here to keep mum happy. Maybe it's your family tradition. Maybe you got invited and you just didn't know how to say no. Maybe you've always wondered why this old story still gets told. But friends, whether you've heard this all before or whether the news of Jesus' death is sort of new to you, today, let me invite you to have a closer look at this story. Let's take a look at Jesus' death and see what it meant for the people who were there at the time. But then let's see what it then means for us today. And what I hope to convince you of is that if this story is true, if Jesus is who he said he is, and if he died how Luke says he died, well, the events that we celebrate today on Good Friday will change your life. 
So come with me, let's take a look at this story together. Uh, but before we do that, we need a bit of the backstory because what Colin just read for us is the very end of the Jesus story. Before that, Luke, the author, has introduced Jesus as none other than the Son of God and the long-awaited King of God's people. And so from the very beginning of Jesus' life, actually even before the beginning of Jesus' life, there was a great sense of anticipation surrounding Jesus. Angels announced his arrival. Kings searched for him. Everywhere he went, people would flock to him. There was excitement wherever Jesus went. Anywhere he went, people were healed. He taught as if he had equal authority with God. And yet, unlike most powerful and influential people, he was completely humble and loving, showing love to the people that no one else loved. And so you get to the point over the course of Jesus' three years of ministry in Palestine that when he walks into Jerusalem, the crowds are ready to make him the new king. And yet just days later, those same crowds are screaming for his death. He's betrayed by one of his friends. He's arrested He's judged guilty on trumped-up false charges. And as we pick up the story, the innocent son of God is being led up a hill outside the city to be brutally and shamefully killed. I want you to imagine that you were there that day. Imagine that you were following along in the crowds. How would you be responding to what you see? How would you feel as this Jesus who promised so much, who brought with him so much anticipation and excitement, walks bloodied and beaten up a hill to die? Well, Luke, who wrote this account, he gives us insight into how some of the people there responded. We're going to consider some of these responses to Jesus' death now. And the first reaction that he tells us about is of some women from Jerusalem. In verse 27, he says, A large number of people followed him, that's Jesus, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Now, these aren't the quiet sobs that an Australian might sob and try and hide. No, these are the raw, visceral grief being poured out in wailing If you've ever been to an Eastern funeral, you might know what this sounds like. Now, it makes sense that these women who Jesus cared for would be grieved by what they saw. But Jesus doesn't think so. They grieve for him. Jesus turns in verse 28 and says to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore, the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? 
These words are a bit confusing, but as far as Jesus is concerned, there is one tragic story unfolding, and it's not his own. The tragedy of that first Good Friday, the tragedy of the cross, is not the death of Jesus, but the death that awaits all the people who just killed the Saviour of the world. His point is this, if God sent his son into the world to save the world and this is what happens, just imagine what God is going to do when he sends Jesus back at the end of time to judge the world. Don't cry for me, says Jesus, cry for yourselves. If you think things are bad now, you should see what's coming. He's warning us warning them of the judgment of God against sin. Well, the women mourn, and in response, Jesus warns. He warns that God will hold to account anyone who does not obey him. He will hold all of us to account for what we've done. And so rather than cry over Jesus' death, we should be crying over the sin that sent Jesus to his death. We should grieve the fact that we're so sinful that Jesus had to die for us. Well, as the women mourn, Jesus is nailed to the cross. The pain would be intense. But the ones who inflict it give him no sympathy. Now, instead they mock him. Verse 35, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. To these rulers and soldiers, Jesus' claims are all a big joke. They think they've proven their point. Now everyone will see the fraud that he is. If you're truly God's king, save yourself. Little do they realise that choosing not to save himself is a choice to save them. Of course he could have saved himself. He could have struck them down dead. He could have done what he liked. But what does he do? Have a look at verse 34. He says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. That's just unbelievable, isn't it? They knew very well what they were doing. They were perverting justice by murdering an innocent man. They knew what they were doing. But at the same time, they had no idea. Their eyes were so blinded by hatred and jealousy that they couldn't recognize God when he stood right before their eyes. They were so focused on their own evil plans that they failed to see what God was doing. And what they couldn't see is that Jesus' death was God's plan and that by dying at the hands of sinners... Jesus was making it possible for sinners to be saved. And so he prays, Father, forgive them. 
Now, I know how I feel when someone cuts in the line at Coles. I know how much rage I feel when someone insults me. Can you even imagine the love of Jesus, the self-control that he can pray for the forgiveness of the men who are hurling insults at him as they nail him to a cross? That's why we've called this weekend no greater love. You will see no greater love than that. That is the love that Jesus has. And that, friends, is the love that he has for you. God demonstrates his love for you in that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. He prays, Father, forgive you. Well, it's now the middle of the day, but the land is plunged into eerie darkness. As the one who called himself the light of the world breathes his last. His work is finished, and so he departs. I'm sure there were some in that crowd who thought that perhaps Jesus would miraculously save himself. And so for them, his death was an anticlimax. But others in the crowd saw things more clearly, didn't they? In verse 47, the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. Now, whether that centurion was one of the soldiers who mocked Jesus or not, we don't know. But what we do know is that seeing the innocent Jesus die, Seeing Jesus forgive his killers and seeing creation itself react in protest to the death of Jesus. Well, the centurion's now convinced. Jesus is the real deal. The centurion can say that surely this man is righteous. Surely this man is the son of God. Surely this man has just saved the world from sin. And so he praises God. He's just seen firsthand the execution of God's plan to save sinners. And so he praises God. Well, friends, the women mourned. The people watched. The rulers sneered. The soldiers mocked. The sun went down, the curtain tore, the centurion praised, and the crowds went home beating their breasts. But what do you make of Jesus' death? It changed the course of history. What does it mean to you? Now, perhaps you see yourself as one of these people in the story. Perhaps you can relate to one of these characters And maybe you're like the women who mourn for Jesus. You see the innocent son of God dying and it brings you grief. Perhaps, as Jesus says we should, you mourn the fact that it was your sin that sent Jesus to the cross. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like the soldiers who scoff at Jesus' claims. Maybe to you, all this Jesus stuff seems a little bit like a fairy tale. 
maybe you're not even in the crowd. Because to you, Jesus just has no bearing on life today. Or maybe you just haven't thought it through very much. There are literally hundreds of ways that you could respond to the death of Jesus. And I'm sure in that crowd there were more responses, more differing opinions on what had happened. There are hundreds of ways that we could respond to the death of Jesus. But really, when you boil them all down, there are really just two. And we see them both in this story. Because there are two people in this story that we are all like. I skipped over them before. We'll go back. Have a look at verse 32. Do you see them? Two criminals were also crucified with Jesus. One on his right and the other on his left. And friends, every single person in this room is like one of these two criminals. We are all either the criminal on his right or the criminal on his left. I'll show you why. Uh, Both of them are guilty. Now, we don't know exactly what they did. Perhaps they were thieves. Perhaps they were rebels. But whatever they've done, they're getting what their deeds deserve. In fact, one of the criminals says exactly that. They are guilty. And so are we. We've robbed God of his glory. We've rebelled against his authority. We've tried to take God's crown and put it on our own heads. We've lived our lives for ourselves. And so just like these two criminals, we are all guilty. We're guilty of sin. And just like the two criminals, we're condemned to death. God won't let our sin go unpunished. He will hold us to account. The sentence has been handed down, and friends, the wages of sin is death. Both of these criminals are guilty. Both of them are facing the punishment that they deserve. The only difference between them is how they respond to Jesus. Verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Friends, one criminal continues in his sin. The other acknowledges the guilt and repents. One continues to abuse the Son of God. The other pleads for his mercy. One of those criminals dies a sinner and faces the wrath of God. The other one asks Jesus for forgiveness and see what Jesus says to him in verse 43. To this criminal who deserves death, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, 
today you will be with me in paradise. Even though he's a criminal, even though he deserves death, even though he is the worst of the worst of sinners, Jesus turns and offers him forgiveness and the gift of eternity in paradise with him. Friends, we are all one of these two criminals. We're all guilty of sin. We're all condemned to die because of that sin. It's up to you to decide which path you will follow. Will you be like the first criminal? Will you continue in your sin? Will you continue to ignore God's offer of salvation? Will you continue to live life for yourself and then face the consequences later? Well, friends, will you be like the second? Who realises that they're sinful? Who knows they can do nothing about it themselves? And so turns to Jesus for forgiveness and finds life. Both are guilty, both are condemned, but one gets nothing to look forward to and the other has everything to look forward to. Friends, that's the choice we all face. And when we put it in perspective, really, it is the only choice in life that matters. Because eternity is a really, really, really long time. And so in view of eternity, most of the things that we spend our time focusing on, well, they're pretty much insignificant. In view of eternity, who cares if you're rich or you're poor for 80-odd years on this planet? In view of eternity, who cares if you're popular or lonely? In view of eternity, who cares what your neighbour thinks of you? Friends, the only thing that matters in view of eternity is whether you are right with God. And that's something you can't earn. You can't try and try and try. You'll always be guilty. It's not something you can buy. It's not something you can inherit from your parents. It's not something you get by coming to church. Friends, the only way that you can be right with God is to turn to Jesus at the cross like that second criminal. Ask him for forgiveness and trust that he has dealt with your sin. And so friends, if you haven't done that, can I invite you to do that today? Turn to Jesus for forgiveness today. If you want to know what that looks like for you, come talk to me afterwards or talk to someone who you came with. But friends, how will you respond to the cross this Good Friday? How will you respond to the one who died in your place so that you could have life and joy and hope and freedom forever how you will you respond to the good news this good friday friends if you've already received jesus's forgiveness praise god praise god like the centurion did today is a day for you to celebrate you have been given life because jesus died for you but friends if you haven't turned to jesus in faith Don't let another Easter go by. 
Admit your guilt to God. Ask him for his forgiveness and take hold of the promise laid out for you today that today your sin can be dealt with. Today you can have life with Jesus. That can start today and it will never end. Friends, find the hope and peace and freedom and life that Jesus offers you this Good Friday. And all we need to do is ask. Let's pray. Our Father, we're we're overwhelmed at the love that you have shown to us through the Lord Jesus, who sacrificially bore our sin on the cross. Lord, it's astounding that he would do that while we were still your enemies, while we wanted nothing to do with you. Lord, we thank you for your love and I pray that we would be changed by your love. Lord, may we take hold of your offer of forgiveness and life in Jesus' name. May we admit our guilt to you. May we realise that we've got nothing to contribute. All we can do is ask Jesus for his forgiveness. And we thank you that when we do, we can know for, cer- for certain that we will have life with you. Lord, we rejoice in this life. We praise you for this gift of life. We pray that this weekend will be a time where we celebrate the life that you offer us through our Lord Jesus. And it's for his glory that we pray. Amen.